You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Whoever the Chicago Bears hire as their next head coach may want to keep some of the current assistant coaches around, but some of them for sure shouldn't be back. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure that you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of the video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and every day. On the show today, we go back through the Chicago Bears assistant coaches, the ones under Matt Nagy, and kind of look at, okay, who might be worth bringing back? Who Who's hard to tell and who for sure shouldn't be brought back? And, and how we sort of sift through where the Bears were getting some quality coaching and maybe maybe where they weren't. Because, of course, you know whatever coach they hire may have their own ideas on who they might want on their coaching staff, and that's going to be part of their interview process. But if we put from our own perspective, from our own shoes, who who we think has some real value for this this coaching staff, because it wasn't wasn't all bad, right? It was not a complete disaster unit uh, coaching staff from top to bottom. So we can kind of get a sense of you know where where the Bears might have some promising coaches, some young and upcoming coaches, some coaches that have had some success, and some guys that just were definitely not the right fit for what the Bears were looking for in Chicago. And I think as, as I look at the, the coaching staff, there's a, only a few that stand out to me as like very clearly, obviously, strongly, for sure, yes or no. Like where, like there's a, the, the larger group is sort of somewhere in the middle where there's some, some stuff to like, but not, not everything was great. And it's sometimes hard to tell from the outside exactly. But the ones that, that are very much clear and obvious for me is I think for sure we don't want to see offensive coordinator Bill Lazor brought back, right? We don't want to see the next head coach come in and say, you know what? It says, you know, say they hire a defensive guy like Dan Quinn, Todd Bowles, Leslie Frazier, whoever, I, you would not want to see them say, you know what, let's keep Bill Lazor and run that offense some more because it was clearly such a problem in Chicago that the offense was not well tailored to Justin Fields, certainly not at first, and never really seemed to put them in the right position to, to make this offense work with the offensive line, with the quarterback, with the running game, with the receivers, et cetera. There was a lot, I mean, as much as so much of that blame goes on Matt Nagy, even when Bill Lazor was purely the play caller, yes, the Nagy's influence was still there, but like it was still Lazor's offense, right? They were clearly sort of collaborating. And even if you want to say, well, Nagy was maybe pushing him in a certain direction, I don't necessarily have this trust that like, oh, separate from Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor is all of a sudden going to figure it out. It feels like very much a, a strong need here for a new offensive coordinator, a new play caller. I mean, maybe as a position coach, you know, could you make an argument for Bill Lazor to coach? I mean, I don't even know exactly what position, but, you know, you know, maybe that's a different conversation. But as an offensive coordinator and a play caller, that's just not not something I'm interested in doing. And same thing, I think the main position coach that stands out is like was not seemingly getting the most out of players all that well and not developing players over his years in Chicago. It's wide receivers coach Mike Furry. Seems like a cool guy. Seems like a nice guy. Seems like, you know, there's nothing against him personally, but like, the Bears could not develop 
wide receiver talent. Darnell Mooney came in as a rookie, played really well from his very first game, and got better over the two years, like, pretty well, as as you expect younger players too, but it didn't seem like he was being obviously like this coach unlocked some player who wasn't good in the first place. I mean, he, he already came in surprisingly good out of college, so I give the scouts credit, not so much the coaching staff. But we saw regression from Allen Robinson. We saw regression, well, yeah, I guess regression from Anthony Miller. Javon Wims never able to really be quite developed and then, you know, sort of mixed bags from Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin and Jakeem Grant. Like, there were some flashes from all those guys, but, like, there was never that consistent wide receiver development and maybe in each in one individually you can find reasons of like well you know Anthony Miller had you know clearly some off the field or between the ears type thing so maybe that's not Mike Furry's fault and you know Demir Bird came in and, and Goodwin were here for a year so you can start to like in each one come up with the excuses and the reasons but collectively there has not been that pattern of players developing even when there were younger guys there with with some potential to be developed Th- those two really are the main do not bring back coaches that just feel very pretty firmly like, yeah, that one's obviously like wasn't doing a good enough job or wasn't right for what the Bears want to do. And, and I do, I think in the reverse, like the guys that like obviously would really want to have them back. It's also a short list. Really the, the only one that I could like really definitively feel like, yes, you could see development and growth and, and a job really well done consistently was outside linebackers coach, Bill Shuey. He had been, an assistant linebackers coach for a couple seasons before being promoted to outside linebackers coach. And that promotion correlated with Robert Quinn's big bounce back season. And also just like Travis Gibson really growing and developing into his own. Right. And that's where I, I draw such a differentiation between like Gibson and say Darnell Mooney, right? Both fifth round picks, right. And Mooney comes in year one game one as a starter and has a, a small type of breakout rookie season, right? He was good from the very start. Travis Gibson came in as a project and was not very good from the start and struggled to get playing time. And even like throughout that rookie season and in the year two, like, you know, there were some some questions about how well that development was going. But by the end of the year, right, he's looked like a legitimate number three pass rusher with maybe starting potential still in him sometime down the line. And I, I'm able to more, I'm more comfortable giving the coaching staff credit for that when you saw him play not that well and I've seen him grow into someone who is playing well as opposed to someone who is just playing well the whole time and hard to know how much the coaching staff influenced there. But clearly, the outside linebacker position is one where the Bears saw improvement and young talent development that was very, pretty clearly and obviously in our face and seems much more abundantly in the possession of the position coach contributing to that development. A lot of the other position coaches have been a little bit less clear less obviously less and and more like less universal too where it's like some guys you know how much development were they really doing and some guys had like some players getting better and some players maybe not and there's this difficult line to balance between how much of it is the talent that the players naturally have and the coaching staff actually getting more out of them or helping them increase the amount of talent that they had so we'll go through some of the other assistants and coordinators and everybody else from the Matt Nagy coaching staff and who, who should be brought back, who, who should be considered to be brought back, and who maybe not next on Locked On Bears. Listen up, Bears fans. I want to tell you about an incredible new app for anybody who buys gasoline. If you put gasoline in any kind of vehicle or engine, I suppose, it's called Get Upside. And listeners of the Locked On Bears podcast are making up to $0.25 cents cash back per gallon every time they fill up. You just download the free Get Upside app, 
And I think you end up like taking a picture of your receipt and boom, the money gets added right to your GetUpside account. There's no catch. You can cash out at any time. You can do a direct deposit if you feel comfortable connecting your bank account. If you would rather go through like PayPal, they do it that way, smooth and easy. Or they'll even let you cash out with e-gift cards for Amazon and other online retailers. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, just filling up like they normally would at their gas station and using the GetUpside app. Download the app today on Google Play or in the App Store. Enter in our promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you're going to get a bonus $0.25 cents per cash back. So, like, up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first deposit. That is promo code TOUCHDOWN when you download the Get Upside app. As we keep tabs on this Bears head coaching search, we're also keeping tabs on how the odds have changed or remain for the prop bets over at Bet Online, the number one place we recommend for all of your sports betting needs. We've seen Brian Flores kind of hover around as the betting favorite, but now Matt Eberflew is getting the first of the second round of interviews for the Bears head coaching staff. Curious to see how those odds sort of shift as these as they go into the second round. And of course, Bet Online is the number one place we would we would tell you to go every time for all of your sports betting needs, not just on the Bears head coach prop bets, but the rest of the NFL playoffs, the big game, plus basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, tennis, boxing, even your favorite Vegas casino games all online. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers they have for 2022, including ours. Sign up today for a free account. And when you do, enter in our promo code Locked On. And they're going to give you a free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's them giving you free money to play with at BetOnline, where the game starts. When I start to comb through some of the other coordinators and assistant coaches, it's some of these position coaches and stuff are just so hard to tell. Like, it's so hard to tell how good of a job they were doing when you have real questions about how good the personnel was that they were actually working with. So, like, defensive coordinator Sean Desai is a great example here. It's like the Bears' defense had some real rough moments, especially early in this season, and to some point it's in the middle, too, when in his first year as a defensive coordinator, they had some real moments of, like, regressing and, and being bad. And then by the end of the year, they had some real strong moments, and it was, once again, the defense was the strength and the offense was struggling to keep up, but, like, the defense was giving them good enough performances. They didn't finish as a top group by any means, but, again, very real talent deficiencies, you know, in the secondary and injuries in the front seven and COVID and, and all the different problems there. So, so to some extent, like they were able to do a lot of good things and pull it together in a way that I wasn't, that you, you could be impressed with or surprised with for a first year defensive coordinator. So then like, is that good enough that I would want to bring Sean Desai back as the defensive coordinator? I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea, right? I mean, like, of course, if the head coach has somebody that they might be more familiar with, or just, you know, somebody that they have in mind for that spot, sure. Then do go ahead. But like, if, if they're kind of open to it, I, I don't I don't hate the idea. You know, like, I, I know the Seattle Seahawks interviewed him or requested an interview or planned to interview him for their defensive coordinator job. So clearly, like, other teams are interested and have seen enough to at least grant him an interview to consider that type of thing. Or it's like, or if you don't bring him back as a defensive coordinator, would you want Sean Desai as an assistant coach? You know, do you put him back to defensive backs? But that was kind of a position where the Bears struggled and where it hasn't felt like, They've necessarily fully gotten, you know, like Eddie Jackson, you know, that whole thing. And I mean, cornerbacks not like Jalen Johnson, right? The DBs have had their, their sort of ups and downs too. So it's like, I'd like Desai and he seems to be smart and an up and coming rising coach. But it's like, where exactly do you fit him back on your coaching staff 
here. I mean, if, if I don't know, if, if, you'd hate to see him go be a defensive coordinator somewhere else and thrive and feel like, ah, they let him go. But it's just hard to tell, like with a lot of these guys. I lean, I lean towards like find a way to keep him just because I think he's still growing and improving and learning as a coach and will only get better as a result of that. Whereas like, you know, special teams coordinator Chris Tabor has been at this a lot longer, right? He kind of is what he is at this point. He's a very experienced NFL special teams coach. And like this year, the Bears special teams was pretty solid, right? Jakeem Grant emerged as a solid punt and kick returner and Cairo Santos set the Bears record or tied the Bears, yeah, set the Bears record for consecutive field goals made and Pat O'Donnell is an average NFL punter. Like the special teams came together pretty well. And like my initial feeling is like, yeah, bring him back. But then I kind of remember like, he was the one who advocated for Cody Parkey and that whole deal. And then the, the kicker carousel and the nine kickers in the Augusta silence and just how much of a mess that was. And, you know, and that, that still reflects on the special teams coach to some extent, but he got it right eventually. So like, and it seems to, they seem to be in a good place now. So like I would bring him back. I wouldn't be opposed to keeping him. It's just like, I do have these sort of like fears or wonders of like, you know, is, is, is that, is, you know, how much of that was him? How much of that was Nagy? How much of that was, pace and the general manager stuff that's why he's in this more like hard to tell category as opposed to like clearly and obviously bring him back because i think i would bring him back it's just like i still have reservations or doubts or questions there that we don't have all the answers to here on the outside same honestly same thing with the offensive line coach juan castillo right great reputation among offensive line people and among the nfl he's been a defensive coordinator before and an offensive line coach i mean like he's he's a well-rounded coach and he's thought to be really like good and, and valuable but yet weird ways the Bears offensive line has been handled in recent seasons and like this year you know starting Larry Borum and then not Tevin Jenkins and kind of weird back and forth there and like the center Sam Mustafer never really got better and James Daniels and Cody Whitehair had their ups and downs too so what I don't I don't see like great player development examples and I do see, see some weird stuff but like they did also get better as an offensive line Peters got better they settled in over time but like Offensive lines tend to do that if you do give them more time together to form that cohesive unit. So it's like, how much of that is Juan Castillo? He's probably, by all accounts, seems to be a good coach. And maybe there was some naggy influence here that was causing some of the problems. But I'm not I'm not totally sold that, like, well, just based on his reputation, he deserves to come back as an offensive line coach. It's like, I, I don't know. The results give me some very, very real pause there that I'm just, I'm just not... I'm not sure. And he's not, again, not in that category of young and up-and-coming coach that might still grow and learn in the position. Like, he's pretty established at this point of what he is in the NFL. So I'm just not quite sure there. I'm not quite sure with quarterbacks coach John Filippo. right? Seems like he's very involved. He was the passing game coordinator. You know, in terms of, like, the, the naggy laser brain trust, like, Filippo was right there, too, on, on a lot of the Justin Fields stuff. And it's hard not to, like, separate him from that idea of, misusing or not being prepared for or planning properly around Justin Fields. Yes. But, you know, John DeFlobo has a track record of getting more out of quarterbacks than typically they did without him. You know, you know, Nick Foles in, in Philadelphia, some, I think it was for some of the Carson Wentz development. And, you know, in Minnesota, he, I, I get the timelines mixed up, but I'm pretty sure he was involved with the really good year Sam Bradford had and was offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach with him. And some of the times that quarterbacks have typically overachieved in many of the seasons with John D. Filippo as quarterback's coach. And so, like, for me, if I'm trying to actually decide on Filippo, I'm going to Justin Fields directly and saying, like, dude, like, how do you how do you actually feel about John D. Filippo? Do you want him back as your quarterback's coach? And I don't know if Fields has enough perspective of coaches he's dealt with to know whether D. Filippo is actually good for him or not. I mean, 
I, I'd like to think he does, and I'd give him certainly a, a lot of influence and benefit of the doubt on that. But I would just be curious to get Justin Fields' thoughts on that and what he wants, because I think that's what's most important about the next quarterback's coach. And if if Flippo is just too much of the the naggy laser, not doing what's right for Fields guy, then then get him out of here. But I think Fields would have a good sense of being able to stand up for what he wants and thinks he needs from a quarterback's coach. Less sold on the tight ends coach Clancy Barone. You know, Cole Komet has not taken those steps forward that we've been looking for him to do at that position. And so how much of that is just like the player not being stellar and not being that good versus the coach not getting more out of him? Like we saw progress, but not drastic progress. And is that the coach's fault? Is that the player's fault? Is it no one's fault? It's kind of hard to tell, but you know, like we didn't really see a lot of Jesper Horstead and was looking for him to have a bigger role and develop more. And we just haven't really seen the Bears tight end position be particularly productive or robust under Clancy Barone. And maybe that's the players that they've had. But, I, you know, he certainly hasn't given me a lot of positive reasons, right? Maybe he's not the, the problem, but maybe, but you're not seeing a lot of that, like, strong evidence as to why you should bring him back, even if there's not, like, super strong evidence as to why you shouldn't either. But that's that's why he's in that sort of hard-to-tell category. And then, like, I'll throw in the secondary coach, Deshae Townsend, real quickly. as a, You know, he's... He's listed as secondary coach, but he played cornerback in the NFL, and they have an assistant DBs coach who we'll talk about in a little bit, Mike Adams, who played safety in the NFL. So I sort of associate Townsend with the cornerbacks, and it's like we've seen some ups and downs from this Bears secondary. Jalen Johnson's been solid, and Thomas Graham looks pretty good, but then, like, Kendall Vildor doesn't really take any of those steps forward. Duke Shelley doesn't really take those steps forward. Artie Burns has some disastrous moments in there. So it's like, again, is that just them being a bust of a first-round pick and some other late-round guys, or is the coaching staff not properly developing them to, you know, how much do you blame Townsend for that? I'm I'm not really sure because he's only been involved with those guys for, you know, however long they've been in the NFL, which hasn't been super, super long. And that's that's one of the problems with evaluating the coaching staff is the amount of time they've been around these players and this team. And there's a few other position coaches that are just almost like not enough information or not enough evidence. We'll go through the defensive line coach, inside linebackers coach, and running backs coach, along with, along with the safeties coach, and kind of look at, how the next head coach should handle not only those guys, but going through the whole process as a new head coach next on Locked On Bears. If you want to start your new year's right, you need to add built bars into your diet, into your pantry, into your taste buds, into your rotation. However you do it, built buds should be a part of the food you eat because I cannot get enough of them. They are the world's best tasting protein bars because they don't taste like protein bars. They taste like candy bars. Every built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft. They're easy to chew. They're delicious. But most importantly, every flavor of built Bar is low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. Just today, I placed a reorder for built Puffs, and they're the churro flavored. So they got this like cinnamon sugar kind of taste to them, but then the built Puffs have like a marshmallowy inside, and it is a excellent, excellent combination. And they were an extra 15% off on the site. So I, of course, had to take advantage of a good deal I could find there, but we can give you an even better deal. If you head on over to built.com, enter in our promo code LOCKED15, they're going to give you 15% off your next order. You can reuse that promo code. I use it today for about the 15th time I've reordered Built Bars. Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. Well, a few other assistant coaches that I, I just can't get a good sense of because the Bears made a couple of changes or guys left this year's and the 
Matt Nagy and Sean Asai brought in new assistants, and they were just here for 2021. So defensive line coach Chris Rumpf, right? Did we see enough this year to really get a sense of whether he does a good job developing the defensive line? You know, Goldman struggled, but he was also also missed a year from COVID, so from opting out from COVID, I should say. So how much of that is on the defensive line coach? Bilal Nichols not really taking that step forward, but I don't know, did he regress? No, or did he just hit his natural sort of plateau as a fifth-round pick? It's very reasonable for him to get to that point. Like, Angelo Blackson had a couple of moments here and there, but, I mean, he's been kind of a journeyman his whole career and wasn't stellar. I don't know that he was drastically different. And, you know, what, Marcus Hunt, Kyrus Tonga. Of course, Akeem Hicks was, like, hurt and in, in, in COVID list stuff too. So it's like one season, I, I can't get a sense of whether Chris Rump is any good. Certainly the last defensive line coach, Jay Rogers, was phenomenal. And it was really tough to lose him because he had developed so many good players in the defensive line. Comparatively, the defensive line coach now then doesn't seem as good, but that's not fair and that's not his fault. So, like, I mean, I, I just have no way of knowing or being able to tell whether Chris Rumpf is a really good or not defensive line coach that's worth being brought back. Same thing with the inside linebackers coach, Bill McGovern. Brand new this year as they sort of split the, the, the position, the linebackers coach thing into two separate linebackers coach positions. You know, Roquan Smith is Roquan Smith, right? He's not getting credit for Roquan Smith. You know, certainly he's already is what he is. It's kind of a turnkey thing. And same with Danny Trevathan when he was healthy, right? I mean, he's he's an established veteran. Like, yeah, ILB's coach isn't necessarily uh, making a big influence on the level of play you get out of those two guys. The one, the one that's interesting here is Alec Ogletree, who came in late in the process, so he wasn't around for, like, all of the off-season programs and stuff. And then, like... Ogletree had a couple of moments of pretty good, and he was also really bad a lot of the year. And I, he kind of flew under the radar. It's like people didn't realize how much he was struggling necessarily because, like, he wasn't obviously missing a thousand tackles and wasn't like obviously getting burned all the time in coverage. But like, he was a decent amount and also really, really bad in, in the run defense. Like, he had some really rough moments there. And so, like, is that the inside linebackers' coach fault? Because Ogletree had been he was a, he was a street free agent and nobody wanted him. I mean, he's a first round bust for a reason. So it's like wasn't expecting him to come here and all of a sudden be great. So I don't blame the inside linebackers coach there. It's just we don't really have evidence in the positive direction either. So it's like, well, after one year, how the hell can I how can I, can I tell if Bill McGovern's an inside linebackers coach worth bringing back? I mean, it's just you just can't tell. Same thing with running back. Our running backs coach Michael Petre brought in this year. We knew David Montgomery was good, right? Great. And then Damian Williams, veteran, played like Damian Williams always does. Khalil Herbert was a great surprise at running back, and do you give the running backs coach credit for that, or was Herbert already that good? I mean, it comes back to the same conversation we had about Darnell Mooney. Like, Darnell Mooney was really good in his first game as a rookie. Do you give the wide receivers coach credit for that, or did he just come in that good? I tend to think if it's literally game one, he hasn't really gotten all that much coaching overall from his position coach. And so when Khalil Herbert steps in and, what was it, game? It was game three of the season, but really like his first real game as the lead running back, he was phenomenal. So, like, I don't really feel like running backs coach Michael Petre gets or deserves a ton of credit for his development. So then it's like, well, I don't know if Michael Petre is a good running backs coach. He just didn't have enough of a, of a sample size just one year of players already playing well when he got here. Really doesn't, doesn't do a, a lot for me there. The other one that's tough is the assistant defensive backs coach who we talked about earlier, Mike Adams. He played safety in the NFL. He was actually a teammate on the field with Tashawn Gibson earlier in his career, ironically. Presumably he's more in charge of the safeties with Shea Townsend more in charge of the cornerbacks, but they probably have a lot of bleed over. But like the safeties this year, 
Eddie Jackson had maybe the worst year of his career. Do I blame the safeties coach for that? Probably not, but certainly didn't seem like he was helping there. But then, like, you know, DeAndre Houston Carson comes in and has the best season of his career at safety. So it's like, is that the safeties coach, too? I mean, he's only been really in this pure role for, like, a year. So, like, I, I don't know how much credit to give him for the things that went well and how much blame to give him for the things that went poorly at safety this year. It certainly wasn't good safety play, so I'm not particularly inclined, but it was one year. And both he and Shea Townsend are, like, recently retired NFL players. They're in their first couple of years of doing this. And, like, they can still grow and learn and get better as coaches and maybe become better coaches over time. So I'm less inclined to just jettison them and more inclined to give them patience and allow them to develop a little bit more in that role if you are retaining more of the coaching staff. But I don't know that I'm going to go out of my way just to retain Mike Adams because he's a young coach. But I like the idea of keeping young and developing coaches around that can also get better and improve in addition to having veteran coaches that, that really know what they're doing. So uh, there's not a magic formula here, but I think those guys are really the the small sample size, too hard to tell type coaches. But I think whoever the new head coach is, and even the general manager too, like I, I think they should go talk to the players, like really genuinely get honest assessments, like no consequences, private answers, but honest transparency, like, hey, Eddie Jackson, What'd you think of Mike Adams? You know, he's never going to know what you say here. We're not going to decide or, or in one way or the other based on what you say either. But, like, be honest with us whether you want him back or not. And it's not going to affect anything about you or about or your relationship with him. It's just, just be honest. And, like, get that from every position in terms of, like, exit interviews. And then really sort of get a sense of, like, okay, if the entire offensive line freaking loves Juan Castillo and thinks he's a great guy... Maybe you bring him back. Maybe that's enough to sway you in that direction. Or if the running backs all love Michael Petre, like, bring him back. Like, if, they, if the players are good and they like the coach, there's no reason not to bring him back then. I mean, a new head coach, of course, is going to want to bring in his own guys, and he's he's going to interview with a plan of, like, who his whole coaching staff is going to be. But there's also, I think, some real value to having different voices and opinions in that room, to not just have all of the coaches' best buds, but, like, other people who might disagree in certain ways and have different ideas and think differently. And, like, being able to have that diversity of thought in the coaching staff could be particularly valuable. And maybe Matt Nagy took that a little too far when he first came here and hired an offensive coordinator he had never worked with and, you know, defensive coordinator he had never worked with and quarterbacks coach. I mean, it was a weird mix-mismatch cauldron of coaches that didn't quite link up and connect all that well. So there's a balance there, but I do think there's some real value to not just being the coach's best buds and all the all the all the friends of the head coach that he knows, you know, they could be yes men. They could, I mean, there's just there's potential pitfalls there. In addition to the benefit that you might get from the familiarity and the the synergy and all that stuff. And on the other side of the spectrum, too, the Bears assistants might not want to be back. They might not want to work with those players again. They might not want to be in Chicago anymore. They might want a fresh start. They might get offers somewhere else. Or they might want to go back to college coaching or wherever it might be. So it's just because you might want, you know inside linebackers coach or outside linebackers coach back doesn't mean they necessarily will fully want to be back maybe on a coaching staff full of coaches that they don't know and a coordinator they don't know and a head coach they don't know right so it's it's not as simple as like we want you back you're going to be back but I think there's there's some there's some pieces there that might be worth keeping around and definitely some coaches that are definitely not worth keeping around it'll be interesting to see first of all who the Bears hire as their coach but then also how they build out their coaching staff you can be sure we'll keep close tabs on it and break it all down for you right here in the Lockdown Bears podcast so make sure that you hit that subscribe button to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis appreciate you making Lockdown Bears your first listen today and every day if you're looking for your second listen here in the Lockdown Podcast Network we are your team every day so we've got Chicago Bulls for you 
Locked on Bulls, Locked on Cubs, Locked on White Sox, Locked on Blackhawks, all your Chicago sports, plus our national NFL shows, Locked on NFL, Peacock and Williamson, and the Locked on NFL Draft podcast. If you want to start peeking ahead a little bit to that, we'll have plenty more time to get into NFL Draft stuff after we get through this head coach and GM search. Free agency's in there too, but we'll, we'll start keeping a closer eye on that more and more as we move through the offseason. So I hope you'll keep coming back. Hope you'll keep tuning in. And I hope the Locked On Bears podcast makes it that much easier for you to bear down. <laughs>